Okay, welcome to episode 86 of the United Pubcast. Another look back episode where we're going to look back at a classic match and just sort of sort of give our thoughts on anything that pops up throughout it. Now, due to a few technical difficulties, this was supposed to be a 1999 Champions League final one, but we did run into a few hurdles. However, when you look back at it, as great as the 99 match was, it was a little bit boring of a match in terms of giving our, giving our thoughts throughout. We both watched the match and really there was two shots at the end that counted and nothing really in between. So um, we're going to change it up a little bit. And an anniversary, which was three years ago, a couple of days ago, we went past it. Everyone would have seen pop up on their Facebook and Twitter timelines. But the Europa League final, it was the 24th of May, 2017. Those three years go very quick. Now, before we get into it, I'll obviously introduce my co-host, Larry. But um, do you remember, Larry, the early morning start? I think it was a Thursday morning start at the Star Casino. Yeah, mate, um, and good evening, good morning, uh, good night, depending to our listeners, whatever time of this you're listening. Yeah, I do. Um, I recall um, you being very uh, intoxicated, um, but it was a wonderful night uh, for the Sydney United fans. Um, I believe the kickoff was around 5.30 in the morning or something along those lines, and the casino was full. There had to be at least 200 people in there. Uh, the scenes are full-time. It's um, where we won the Champions League. But in terms of United's most recent history, um, I think this has got to be right up there. It, it was such a good win, mainly because it was, um, you know, we won the lot, as they say. Um, and also just because it was the first major trophy we'd won since uh, Fergie called it a day. If you don't count Louis Van Hal's um, FA Cup. Uh, the FA Cup, yeah, yeah, that's I mean, true. I'm it, sorry. It had a different feel, yeah. though. It, um, almost, uh, it felt like a step in the right direction, and Mourinho and Pogba were going to lead us to titles. It obviously didn't work out that way. But um, speaking of Pogba, it was one of those ones before you get into the match. Um, Paul Pogba's dad died maybe a week or two before it. I remember he came back just before the Crystal Palace match um, to get a little bit of match fitness. And um, there was a little bit of, not doubt over Paul Pogba, but he obviously was sort of the player of the Europa League and he really dominated every game that season in the Europa League. Um, do you remember that going into the game in terms of the, the concerns over him and his sort of, his headspace, which rightly so, obviously his father passing, which would have been horrific for him. Yeah, but I think, you know, and I say this just as an adult taking football away and of course every personality is different, but... Um, if I have this correctly, his father was quite ill, and so you felt like you know he almost knew this was a, a matter of it was going to happen. And but I didn't have any doubts around his professionalism. If Pogba was to come back and play, and you can say whatever you want about him, even through all the transfer speculation, when he's played, he's been professional and he's played to the best of his ability. I've never seen anything that says he downs tools or anything. So for me, it was um, never a concern. He was always going to play in this game. And I, he almost felt he was always going to score as well. Mm. Well, I think um, in terms of, unfortunately speaking, about the loss of life, I think the main story out of this game in the build-up and obviously post-match as well, even throughout the celebrations, was obviously centred around what happened a few days earlier in Manchester and the terrorist attack in the Manchester arena. And I remember the build-up into this match going... It's obviously final and you want to win and you put all your eggs in the basket of winning. You can't imagine the feeling going in and losing a, in a cup final. But it was almost a case, well, if we lose, okay, it's a football game. There are far more important things in life. And look, we in Sydney are as far away from Manchester as physically possible almost. However, that attack in Manchester felt it, it sort of hit really close to home, um, if you know what I mean. Like I, I know in England and Australia are quite similar, but seeing something like that 
happened as people so close to the club um, was very sort of touch or not touching, but a very emotional build up into that game. Yeah, spot on. Uh, I remember the famous hashtag around that, um, or almost infamous, being, you know, a City United. And it was a symbol to say Manchester City were almost rooting for United. This wasn't a game for Manchester United to win. It was for the City of Manchester to win. Um, And, of course, we know the result in the end. And I remember that, and we'll get into the matches in a second. Just my last point on that. And I remember that hashtag and that whole vibe going into the match. And that would usually be met with a lot of sort of scepticism and say, oh, it's just for PR, etc. But I remember actual City fans and Liverpool fans are genuinely sort of not begrudging United this trophy in terms of it, it did become bigger than Man United v Man City or Man United and Liverpool. It really did become sort of something for Manchester, the city, and something for England as a country. Yeah, spot on, spot on. Um, look, it's always a tragic when tragedy when these things happen but um it was more than a football game i think it was just a victory for humanity all round to be honest 100 percent. and we will get into the game and again uh, as you probably listened to the previous one we did a couple of weeks ago in regards to rashford's double against arsenal we're just going to press play at the si- at the same time we'll sort of watch the games again uh, moments will pop up i'm sure that'll take us off on a couple of different tangents but the highlights go for about 15 16 minutes so um hopefully a lot of talking points come up. I'm sure uh, Mr. Pogba will be first up with his goal. But if you have your finger next to the play button, Larry, we'll go on go. So three, two, one, go. Yeah, so 24-3 years ago. I still can't get over that. And just you mentioned there, just as the sort of aerial view, I remember the kit at the start of the season. Looks like a game of FIFA, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, don't remind me of FIFA, please. But um, you are mentioning the kit. Um, I remember at the start of the season... Um, I think it might have been off, might have just fallen victim to marketing hype and that Paul Pogba um, commercial he did with Stormzy in sort of his unveiling. I remember that and the blue kit, and I thought, well, going into that season as sort of the Europa League and all clear favourites for the Europa League um, with Jose Mourinho, Paul Pogba, etc. And um, just as there as he fires a shot wide, I don't often get a player on the back of my shirt, but I've got Paul Pogba because I just had a feeling we're going to win the Europa League in that blue shirt in terms of we've obviously won our first European trophy in the blue kit at Wembley. And I've got Paul Pogba in the blue shirt and um, obviously he did open the scoring. So I don't usually get those omens right, but I was lucky on that occasion. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I really like that kit, to be honest. Um, and in fact, from this season onwards, we've had pretty good away kits every year since. Oh, the away kits have definitely um, outshone the um, the home kits. The Ajax team is just dropping, uh, going across the screen now. And we, you wouldn't have thought this at the time. They, we just saw this Ajax team as a young Dutch team. We just hear they have potential. However, you look at the names they had in the team. You've got Davison Sanchez at the back, De Ligt, um De Jong, Anana. De Jong, Anana the keeper, Van der Beek up front, um, the young Patrick Cl- Clivert's um, son was in there. Um, so we looked at this as just this, we are told the Ajax had all this potential. But now I think that's Zayic, who's just signed for Chelsea. Yeah, so yeah, I think just one of those one of those teams which really did come together. Obviously a team like that is going to get broken up over time. But those names now are almost household names. So while United quite comfortable in this game, we did beat a good team well, maybe not the finished article obviously not the finished article but the Ajax were a good team yeah no doubt about it um, just again um, and we highlighted this in the Arsenal game which is so interesting about Rashford um, again occupying the left channel um, a lot although being listed up front 
Well, he did go up front towards the end of the season, didn't he? Um, yeah, because yeah, uh, Ibrahimovic yeah, was out. Yeah, yeah. actually, God, there's a name we haven't brought up yet. Obviously, key getting us into the Europa League final. But yeah, I remember it was yeah, probably the last month or a bit over a month of the season. Rashford was yeah, almost yeah, that start number nine. You know, watching Romero, and I'm thinking of this now, uh, he's one of those keepers where people say, oh, you know, he'd almost be as good as the hair. I feel like he's, he, he makes me nervous anytime he catches the ball, but he acts like he always had it under control, if you know what I mean. Yeah, he's, um, I think he's just one of those characters. I think he's a bit, I wouldn't say strange, but um, he's always got that look in his eye a little, little bit. It almost looks like he'd be a bit of like the class clown, like the quiet one who can sort of... Yeah. To sort of throw something weird out, but um, he, he's got a weird technique. He's, he doesn't look the most comfortable. He, he's very efficient. Very unorthodox. Yeah, very very efficient. But um, it's one of the trivia questions here: Who was the go- um when you name the starting lineup from the Europa League final? A lot of people might actually forget that Romero was obviously the winner. But I think this is the first goal, and um, I think United did bully them when they I actually have a throw in deep in their own half, and United you could see pen themselves in and like use Fellaini's height. Etc. Actually, it's Matter who wins the header, who win the ball high, and it goes to Fellaini who um, squares it to Pogba. And obviously, when the goal goes in, you're elated for it, for Pogba and for the team. But it's one of those ones where you think that's a shame. It took a sort of a very ugly deflection. It wasn't sort of a you would have preferred that to just fly into the corner rather than yeah. It, it wasn't a beautiful goal which you always want in a final. Yeah, but uh, look, look at Pogba. He he was elated. Um, it was just one of those. Like we said, we, we spoke in the build-up to this game. He was always going to score. And Pogba's a big-game player. Like, you just think the, the World Cup final, yeah. the Europa League final. Um, in every in most of his in big games, he really does step up. And that shot was on target for me. Yeah. Oh, no, it was um, on target. But, um, yeah, the deflection did make it look a little bit ugly. But 100% on your points in terms of the way he does step up in big games. And I think, again, look, we don't want to get into a Pogba debate, but that's his... Probably why I keep him. I think. Look, oh, I'd love to keep him. I really would. Like um, going through the last few months. Obviously, we've had no football, so I've been able to just nitpick pieces out of Pogba's time at United, and he's just something different to what every midfielder is in the world. Like, I, if I asked you, name another midfielder in the world who has the power that Pogba does, but the size that Pogba does, but also has such wonderful technical ability. He's 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 what everything Fellaini would have wanted to be. Yeah, 100%. I think the, the one comparison people would make is De Bruyne in terms of ability, but yeah, in terms of the attributes... doesn't have the physical yeah, the, prowess. The physical right? attributes, 100%. But just there, you mentioned about sort of the physical prowess. Um, Tony Valencia just bombed down yeah. and had a good shot. Um, again, in terms of the trivia questions, which I just mentioned earlier, it's one of those we asked at a supporters club trivia night the other night was... Um, who was captain of this Europa League final. And a lot of people said Wayne Rooney because, obviously, he's the one lifting the trophy. But it, um, it's a bit of a trivia one. Obviously, Antonio Valencia was the captain um, this night. Um, Rooney stole the armband with about 30 seconds to go. But, um, again, I, I think there was a bit in the news the other day about Valencia being open to a testimonial. He never had his testimonial, but the club sort of are still in talks with him. If he ever wanted one, he can come back because he's eligible. Well, I'd support that. Um, he was a loyal servant for United, uh, was club captain for a period there. I'd love to see him um, get a testimonial. It's, it's weird, though. He's, um, people still remember him as this right back, but I still have in my mind because I saw him a fair bit when I was in England before he moved to United when he was at Wigan. And um, I still see him as a right winger, playing right back, but now a lot of people have him sort of as a someone who played right back for many years. 
Well, his, his best years at United were on the wing. Um, if you're old enough to remember, uh, that was prime Antonio Valencia for me. You know, he was such a good player, and I'm, I'm kind of a little bit sad it didn't work out. Henrik Mkhitaryan. Oh, like, 100%. Such a good tech, set, technically sound footballer. Uh, and you, you, if you remember Mourinho's second season, the 4-0 FC, yeah. he was a massive part of that. Look, I, I think he did well for United. He did very well for United. He's one of those ones where, although if you look at it, you could easily put a YouTube compilation of so many real bad mistakes or him getting knocked off the ball. So many mistakes that are very sort of visible on the eye, they stand out. However, in terms of his time for two years, he was very good. Um, not not even two years at the club, and, um, and a half, yeah. big goals. And I remember we just mentioned here Pogba was in the team of the season for the Europa League, but also Mkhitaryan. I think Mkhitaryan might have got player. Of the, I could be very well wrong, but I think Mkhitaryan might have got player of the tournament. Um, I remember he was fantastic. He scored many crucial goals. Um, well, the reports coming out of United, it, it wasn't a physical thing. There was two things. It was one he had a very public challenge at Mourinho, mm. um, which basically threw him out. But the other one was he just socially didn't fit in with a lot of the United squad, which is interesting. I mean, he does seem like an introvert, very quiet. But again, I don't know what he's like behind closed doors. People say that about uh, Skulls, you know, he's very quiet. But then you hear Roy Keane, he's like, don't trust the good boy act. He's, he's a larrikin, so... Yeah, but you look at it and 100% agree. Yeah, we don't have a behind the closed behind closed doors view of it, but same sort of issues have happened at Arsenal. I don't think he ever showed his ability at Arsenal, but again, sort of off the field, it looks like it didn't work for him. So yeah. maybe there is a bit of truth to it. Um, for those keeping score at home, we are just kicking off the second half. Not too much happened in the first half besides the goal. Pogba had a shot as well really early on. Antonio Valencia had a you. shot. Um... The first half of that game is more entertaining than the Champions League final, which sealed the treble. That that's honest. Yeah, no, I wouldn't agree. I wouldn't disagree, especially again, not much happened. But um, yeah, it shows how I wouldn't say boring, but how sort of lackluster that Champions League final was. Um, all the excitement is in the Europa League. I think we scored quite early this um, Mkhitaryan goal in the set in the second half. Yeah, I think it was around the fifty fifty third odd minute. Yeah, but just going through this, uh, this Ajax team here as well. Um, Delit van der Beek, that Zayic who has signed for Chelsea. I don't know if when he can join Chelsea in terms of a contract. Because I would assume maybe it's June or July his contract starts. Well, as of July 1st, as of July 1st, he'll be eligible to play. So is, but is there, Has there been a rule on that in regards to, okay, he's eligible, but are they, can he play this season? Is there a sort of cut and dry rule with that yet have you heard uh, they haven't said but the the issue with that one is they're saying they're allowing loan players to be extended beyond 30 june so if his contract in fact comes into effect he's a chelsea player as of one july yeah i don't see why he i don't see how you stop him from playing um obviously um netherlands have uh, concluded their season as well so yeah, no, it'll be interesting, but I think this is the corner here. United just win a corner off Fellaini. And remember the the reverse angle where it came out later, where it's actually Ander Herrera who realises Mkhitaryan is on a yellow card, and Mourinho is so sort of detailed in his analysis, he wouldn't want Mkhitaryan on halfway and risk himself on a counter-attack for Ajax. So Ander Herrera says, go into the box, take my role. Ander Herrera dropped back, and the ball fell into Mkhitaryan, who probably... Not, I thought, look at that, and look... Looks quite looks quite simple, but it's probably a very underrated finish, especially sort of to win a European trophy. I think the goal probably deserves a little bit more credit than it probably gets. 
Tell you what, Tom, my hamstring can't bend that far back, and I'm 26. So. Look, it's one of those, you wouldn't um, call it a bicycle, but he has to he has to use a bit of strength. to. It's, he gets the better of DeLitt physically, which is no mean feat. And then, um, well, it's not just that. It's football It's just, it's just football awareness, isn't it? It's being aware of your surroundings, knowing where the defender is. Um, and not above all else, he was very composed. I didn't see it. It just popped there past quickly. I assume it was... Actually, it was a Chris Smollin or Fellaini got the knockdown. Um, I think it might have been Chris Smollin. I think it was Fel... I was going to say I thought it was Fellaini. No, it was one of the two. It was a big tall guy. One with hair, one with no hair. <laughs> you see, you've seen Smalling these days? He's got plenty of hair. Yeah, he's um, channeling, channeling his um, inner Virgil van Dijk, I think, and it seems to be working in Italy. And I wrote a piece for the, the Man United Supporters Club to have a sort of monthly magazine. We're actually doing it a little bit more often now um, through people's emails because of the lockdown. But I wrote a little bit just get sharing my opinion that I think um, I use the heading a little bit sort of a little bit of clickbait. But Chris Smalling can save our transfer window because so much attention will go into this sort of the final third and Jaden Sancho or a striker etc. But we probably do need to improve, especially improve the numbers at the back. And I think look if we are tight in terms of the budget, maybe bringing Chris Smalling back as a, another centre back if he's happy to, I think it's probably a good bit of business. I can't see it. I can't see it. I can't see him staying. Um, I think, you know, I've seen people say, oh, you know, if Roma can't afford to get the deal done, simply put, I think United would happily send him on loan again. I really do. I just don't think he suits the way that Oli plays, um, especially with this huge emphasis of playing out the back. I just can't see it happening. Who would you say, though? Okay, we go into the next Christmas period, okay? Um, we've got Harry Maguire there. There is fit. And you have a decision to make. Victor Lindelof's injured. Then you have a decision to make of Eric Bailly, two and Zabi, and Chris Smalling. Now I don't want to you compare the players on who would you who would you prefer, but as a manager, who could you rely on to get you through sort of two tough months of the season? Well, yeah, of course you you play Smalling, but it's just that again he just he doesn't suit that style. Like if if you're gonna put Smalling there, you almost have to change the way you're going to play because he's not capable of being quick with the ball at his feet. So I'm not saying I don't rate him. I think he's a, a pure defending. He's very good. Um, in fact, I'd say he's probably in the top five centre-backs in the Premier League. But just with the ball at his feet, he's just not very good. Even Mourinho, talking about this, this game, game, said yeah. like he, he talked about how Smalling's not good with the ball at his feet. So that's why they started Fellaini. He just wanted to do the long ball to him. Yeah, and another player we haven't mentioned who's obviously at Ajax now, the captain of Ajax, I believe, who sort of compliments Chris Smalling in this defensive role was Daly Blind. Um, another one for those that are, when you look back at who started the match in terms of our back four, was um, Matteo Darmian and Daly Blind. And I think, just talking about um, Chris Smalling, I thought Daly Blind was, I think maybe I gave him man of the match through in, during this game, I forget. Um, I cast my mind back three years, but I'm pretty sure I gave him man of the match. I thought he just swept up everything, almost played that almost sweeper role in behind Chris Smalling. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the team now. You have Jesse Lingard on the left wing, and you have uh, Martial up front. Yeah, and the, one Mata on the right. Yeah, the, um, <laughs> he obviously subbed Marcus uh, Rashford and Mkhitaryan. Obviously, came off. I mean, I think. Yeah, uh, you know what that reminds me of? Uh, you know, in FIFA, when you you put on ultra attacking and your team just goes everywhere. That's what Mourinho's done here. Well, I think one hundred percent, but I think there is almost just that typical Mourinho or his that Jesse Lingard breakaway. Davison Sanchez is the one who catches. I was trying to think of the defender who catches him, but it looked like Jesse Lingard had like a ten meter head start on him. But um, and Jesse Lingard is quick, but there's a different type of quick, and Davison Sanchez is so powerful, 
and um, just called him up every single step. But that would have been one of those sort of classic cup final goals in terms of like a yeah. 60 metre sprint. Um, Jesse Lingard gets in a few positions like that, like breakaway goals. Um, Lingard's football intelligence is second to none. He's the the positions he occupies are brilliant. It, it's the issue's just been his quality. Unfortunately, it's just really fooled off. Literally, there, there's Donny Van Der Beek. Just as we, I was just praising Chris Smalling. Donny Van Der Beek just turns Chris Smalling inside out. Your thoughts on Donny Van Der Beek in terms of he's always linked it. It's quite heavily with Real Madrid, but um, mm-hmm. always is obviously named with United, linked with United. He's a fine footballer, I tell you. I, I take him. I definitely take him. I think he can sit deep as well. Um, he's very brilliant with the ball. Good, good passing range. He's a physical guy. Before we get on Not to Pogba physical, before we get on to all the trophy celebrations, is the footage now is in injury time with every, all the sort of seven players on crutches on on the sidelines. But just before we get on to that, in terms of look, it's a podcast for another day. But in terms of that type of midfielder. It's, even with Paul Pogba, do you still sign a new midfielder this this window? Well, with your, considering we've got the arrival of Bruno a couple of months ago, but if you keep Pogba, yeah. do you still add a midfielder, or is it fully dependent on Pogba leaving? No, I'm signing a midfielder regardless. But um, probably what I, I don't like. I guess it, when we're saying midfielder, I'm talking about as a defensive midfielder, someone who can do like Matic's role. Um, not obviously not like for like so maybe a Van Der Beek isn't what I'd be going for um, I'm saying someone like a Saul Niguez or Thomas Party, someone in that mould we see all our players who are supposedly injured and on crutches now sprinting on the field at um, the full time celebrations I think there was probably four or five players on crutches I think Luke Shaw was the only one who physically couldn't run but I remember those crutches almost stole the celebrations um, besides Pogba's dancing. But it's, I don't know if it'll pop up on these highlights. Maybe not with MUTV and um, language or sort of context. But remember the Zlatan Ibrahimovic sign? Yeah, yeah. You can check my wife if you sign or something. Yeah, yeah. that was classic. There he is there, <laughs> Zlatan. Um, Seriously, wouldn't you have loved to sign Zlatan in like when he was 28? Like imagine the year... Um, the year Ronaldo left, imagine you got Zlatan in. Or you get Zlatan in when Fergie leaves. Like, oh my goodness. Do you reckon Zlatan and Fergie, how do you reckon they would have gone together? Uh, I think it'd be all right. I think it'd be all right. Is Zlatan too different of a character? I think he's like a Roy yeah. Keane. Um, I don't think too, just, just hot. they're just winners. Uh, and Fergie was that. Yeah, no, I'm sure it would have worked. It definitely would have raised sort of eyebrows and concerns. But I think... Um... The two of them, if we're in a winning team, I think could have been a match made in heaven. But I remember listening to a podcast the other day, I forget who it was, or not a podcast, an interview maybe, where Paul Scholes was talking. And what we all knew it at the time, but it's always different when you hear it from an actual player's perspective, that they were very close to signing Ronaldinho. Like the players were under the impression that he had signed. And um, I remember that. That was obviously when David Beckham left just before he got Cristiano Ronaldo, who obviously worked out fantastically. But um, Ronaldinho, he was... I think I think I always look back at Ronaldinho. And you have to remember he was voted the player of the decade from two thousand to two thousand and ten. And you look at the players who played in that decade, and um, to ha- to have Ronaldinho would have been special. Oh yeah, yeah. In my opinion, like I know Messi, obviously so good. What <laughs> was last time? Absolute clown. Um, did he just push Rojo out of the phone? Yeah, he's telling me he? he's having his <laughs> selfie with the trophy. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Um. Sorry, Tom, I've lost my train of thought. Where were we? About Ronaldinho, what he would have been like if he signed. 
Yeah, oh, like I know people say Messi's the best, and rightfully so, but what Ronaldinho could do with a football, oh my goodness, there's just no words to describe it. Actually, what do you think of the Trav Higgs? Again, it's probably one of our best kits post-Fergie, I think, this blue kit. I do like that sort of, I don't know what colour you call it, royal blue or something, but I think it's a really nice kit, but the actual trophy... Um, it's a little bit different because most of the trophies now are cups, like ones with handles. It's almost it's a weird one. I'm just looking at it now is Ed Woodward's on there. I'm getting his 15 minutes of fame. Yeah, I don't think it's ugly. I like it. It's a little bit different. Actually, just here on the trophy side, what do you think of here, Jose Mourinho, given the three fingers? Because it was a weird one. You look at it, and I think it was really designed from a Mourinho perspective designed it really sort of boil in the pits of rival fans and rival managers and the press etc however i think what is that what is that what's that for the three trophies so he was saying he won a treble in terms of the Ah. the league cup europe league and the community shield which okay fair enough but i think his design in that was right it did boil the piss of everyone however it probably backfired in terms of it boiled the piss of united fans yeah, I, I don't like counting the community shield because we always talk about the... You know when uh, Liverpool like to call whatever they won um, yeah. a treble and we always call it the Mickey Mouse treble? Yeah. I, that's why I, d- I don't like that mentality. But I, I could see from Mourinho's point of view what he was doing and why he was trying to do that. However, I just think it was a case of, again, looking back at his time at United and probably realising that he wasn't a United manager. I don't see Solskjaer going out and holding up three fingers if he wins a community shield, etc., I think it's Definitely just Mourinho right, yeah. dismission, and nothing against him. It just it didn't. It, there was no match there. There was no real connection or understanding of um, sort of the United fan base. But there's someone who definitely gets it, Ander Herrera. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that's why Mourinho was always on borrowed time. Uh, he's just he puts himself above clubs, and I know he. I, I believe I genuinely believe if you asked him that, he would say no way. But he really does. He's just so self-absorbed. But it's what makes him a winner. Yeah, I think 100%. That's something I remember you looking back. I recently just watched The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary, and you look at how many people said he rubbed up the wrong way. However, that's the price you had to pay. If you had to piss people off, you had to step on people's toes in, t- in order to be sort of what they call now the GOAT, etc. Everyone wants that status. I think that's what you have to do. You can't just be a very good team player. You have to be... You have to have that individual streak and that selfishness within you. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Like, Fergie had a ruthless streak, but Fergie, for me... And this is the difference between Fergie and Mourinho, at least from my perspective. Fergie could adapt himself to different personalities, whereas I feel like Mourinho has just stayed in his time. He doesn't understand that, you know, some players need a cuddle, some players just don't have that cereal. Like, for him, he would look at someone like, say, a Martial and say, oh, he doesn't have the drive to succeed. I disagree. I think Martial kill, wants to be successful, but maybe he's just, he's not a passion merchant. Yeah. So, to Mourinho, that's all. Oh, he, he doesn't have the right mentality. He doesn't know how to adapt to different personalities. And that was Fergie's strength. Yeah, no, I think it's very much a case of that, as Mourinho's obviously given his... Um, post-match interview there. And I remember, I'm not listening to it, we've got the volume down, but I remember he did do a good job in that um, post-match speech, taking pretty much everything away from the football and saying, Man United didn't win this game, the city of Manchester won it, etc. So I think yeah. maybe in my eyes, in terms of Mourinho's finest hour as a United manager, in terms of the way... That's a young Rashford, jeez. Yeah, it is. Um, it's got braces. <laughs> two on Zabie, first with Mensah, Jesse Lingard, when we thought Jesse Lingard was going to um, rule the world. 
um, didn't quite happen. But I think that is probably on Mourinho a good time to wrap up the podcast because I was just reading an article that suggested that when the fixtures do come out, when football hopefully returns, it does look like a United v Tottenham first match back. Yeah, spot on. That oh, you know what? I'm well, obviously we can do a full match preview closer to it, but uh, versing Mourinho first up when we're a team that's very reliant on being fitter and running harder than everyone else. When you're coming fresh into it, that's difficult. Yeah, well, I think it'll definitely be a case of textbook Mourinho in terms of trying to spoil the game. Where United will be looking to sort of sort of impose their energy and their intensity on the game, but again. That is a podcast for hopefully the near future. Hopefully it returns soon. Hopefully there's a Premier League an announcement. Um, oh, on that, on that, Tom, let me bring this up because it's important and I think our listeners will appreciate this one. So next Thursday, UK time, uh, I believe that will be the next Premier League meeting and that, that meeting will be to decide or at least pencil in a, a official as official start date for the Premier League to resume. So... Uh, we'll have to keep our eye on that one. Yeah, well, I think La Liga, the Spanish league, maybe they made an announcement over the last couple of days that they're coming back. I think maybe in two or three weeks. So um, I should be on top of that because um, there's probably a bit more entertainment than the German football, in my opinion. Um, I'd r- much rather watch a Spanish football match, but um, I'll get on to that and see when Real Madrid are playing Barcelona next because that'll be one to, a weird one to watch without any fans. But speaking of Thursdays, we'll be back on Thursday and probably a episode touching more on sort of general Premier League news and hopefully something regarding an announcement that maybe someone from Chelsea or Watford will contract coronavirus. It seems to be the done thing these days. They're dropping like flies in London. Uh, Watford players, I think a Bournemouth player has it now. Um, Chelsea, no, sorry, Chelsea players are the ones who are breaking their lockdown, seemingly. Yeah, Hudson Adoy, the the very first player who actually tested positive. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, make sure you join us for that episode. Hopefully, something good to talk about. Um, hopefully, you enjoyed this podcast again. Um, hope these type of podcasts, in terms of watching a match and giving your thoughts, if there is a match you want to sort of watch with us and get involved, feel free to sort of recommend a match, and we'll try and find a sort of short package like this rather than watching the full hour and a half. But um, please recommend any matches for us if you enjoy the podcast. Uh, make sure you send any of those requests to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I think all the ads are at UTD Pubcast. And uh, me and Larry will get back to you as soon as possible. Um, anything else to add, Larry? No, that's it. Pleasure, mate. We'll chat Thursday. Pleasure as always. Chat to you then. Bye.